romance nerds today on the podcast me and jackie are getting real personal and asking the hard questions about one of romance's most important pillars stay tuned <gasps> intro here music hey there romance nerds i'm jen and i'm jackie we're two librarians from nopal in upstate new york and you're listening to raging romantics in this podcast, we like to think a little too deeply about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about romance landia, then you should stick around. Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Let's, Let's rage! rage! All right, Jen, it's my turn to tell the joke. Are you ready? I don't know. All right, okay. We'll see. I'm so ready. What fruit has an arranged marriage? Pears? A cantaloupe. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I laughed so hard I at the desk when I found it. I mean, pear makes sense, too. I just can picture a pear wearing like a little veil. No, no, no. They okay. seem the most okay. human-like to me. What is the most romantic fruit? Probably a pineapple. A pear, because it's a it's a pear. Oh, 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 I got gotcha, Unless you're gotcha. polyamorous and then we need like a bunch of bananas yeah. or something. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to save that joke for the polyamorous episode. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> On that amazing note. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Anyway, welcome back to yet again another episode <laughs> of Raging Romantics. We are still here, folks. As always, I am still Jen. I've still got Jackie right here. And we are excited to dive too deep into romance again today. Yeah. Thank you to Northern Onondaga Public Library for still letting us ramble for nearly an hour about romance and books and tropes. If you guys are happy to be listening to us, please show your appreciation by checking out your local library. I promise we are full of lots of cool stuff and offer great programs and employ very interesting people. So stop by anytime we are open or anytime your hometown one's open. I don't care. Just go to a library. And if you get shushed, you come to Jen and Jackie. Oh, you tell and us. And we will yell at them for you. you. I mean, we don't yell. We don't shush. We will be very sad. And, you know, give them a stern will, talking to. We will strongly advise them that shushing is not allowed. We'll say I did shush somebody for the first time because like, the kid was running around. Oh, well, I shush my niece and nephew all the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, so. it's children. Yeah. You know, they're just naturally If they're allowed. children, I don't think it can. Anyways. You're going to just have to. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jackie, correct me if this is a ridiculous thought considering we run a romance podcast, organize a romance book club, and have been devoted romance readers probably before we should have been. Mm -hmm. We are well aware of the formats and the plot steps that make up most romance novels. Mm -hmm. But have you ever wondered why basically all romance novels start at the couple's meeting? There's basically none that start off with the couple already together. The few that do have established relationships, it's always almost them on the verge of divorce. So I haven't found a romance with a couple just like going on an adventure together or solving some problem that's not related to their relationship okay i do have one it's not like i consider it a romance but it's not traditionally romance it's not like romance genre okay um it is the susan elizabeth peters um egyptology mystery series mm -hmm. and in this one in the first book the heroine and her soon-to-be husband are it's kind of like enemies to lovers and they're both egyptologists they're at the same dig in um the valley of the king's and it's the Elizabeth Peabody mystery. Mm -hmm. um, and they meet and it's like they have to fight the mummy together. And then the whole rest of the series is them like having a family and starting their like uh, Egyptology careers together. I guess I get that. But I feel like the enemies to lovers thing still kind of says, you know, you're not yeah. really established yet. Yeah. 
and I don't want to say this like blew my mind or anything, but when I was sort of turning it over in my mind, I was surprised that for everything else that's changing or it's shifting or improving in Romance Landia, that part of the formula feels very untouchable. You always start the romance at just before the very first meeting and follow this couple through them deciding to be together. But at the same time, friends to lovers is a big trope. But again, there's still like that whole like, we don't want to ruin the friendship. We've been friends forever. We don't want to lose each other. There's still like a like a, an emotional journey to the mm. the plateau of coupledom. But if we're just, we if I'm going to be, start there. if I'm going to nitpick, yeah. they already know each other. Yeah, but I feel like that's <laughs> that was not a predicate the same of thing. your argument. Like, we know each other though, but we're not yes. in a romantic relationship. No, no sorry, Jen. Like if not. there was going to be a Jen and Jackie romance, there would be a very weird, a like, weird build shift. up to it. Yes, this is yeah, true. It was, it's, I feel like friends to lovers, enemies to lovers, isn't quite the same thing. No, and there is a ship that now we never wanted to be out in the open. <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys no like do you kind of get what I mean like I'm not like complaining about the structure but I've just been thinking a lot to myself because I don't know I don't sleep anymore (laughs) it's interesting that the build up to becoming an established couple is more interesting to romance readers than settling in with a couple that's already solid and happy with each other I guess when I, I'm, I'm kind of just saying, I wish we had more mummy returns type plots. Yes! Without needing to always go through the origin story, I think it could be a really interesting change up in what we've seen romance do so far. Just give me all the Rick O'Connell. I thank you. But this is all I need in life. <laughs> but even saying this out loud, it feels like <laughs> insane to me that I'm questioning this. Of course, a romance novel is supposed to start at the beginning. It feels like an unbreakable pillar of the genre. As cool as I think it would be to have more established couples in the genre, I do wonder at the same time if that would even count as a romance book. I don't really have an answer to this question, but to try to help me think about it more deeply. I wanted to read more about dating, specifically dating Mm. in America, since that's where the majority of my romance novels take place or are published. It sucks. I know. (laughs) There's your short answer, Jen. It sucks. It's really bad. I can give you all the horror stories you want, folks. (laughs) Had them all. I mean, we could have a whole series on dating, and maybe we will when I get the rest of my reference books, because I I ordered a bunch, because we don't have any, unfortunately, at Onondaga County, Mm. uh, which is disappointing for us. But I found a lot of really good ones, uh, pretty cheap. So today I want to really focus on personal ads because I have to say, I didn't know much about them going in. I mean, I grew up on the internet. I don't think there's a lot of purpose anymore for most personal ads today outside of like a Craigslist listing for a couch or something. Can you say that Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, etc. are just a new version of the personal ad? Maybe we might have to grow into that. We'll have to see. Okay. But for me, I just found this information really interesting, especially as I'm kind of thinking of like, is this something that we could see morph in Romance Landia? Could we start with like an established couple or does it always have to be about the meaning and the development? So I hope you indulge me today on the podcast <laughs> and come along with me as we learn a little bit about personal ads <laughs> and see where we go from here. Because I would kind of like to make this a mini series because... Okay. I ended up spending a lot more time than I thought I would on this. And there's a lot of ways to date people out there. <laughs> oh, my so. God, yes. I do also want to say Jen had no idea what she was going to do until, like, Wednesday. And Thursday. then today she was like, I wrote a whole script. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but at least for me, I like going into these episodes wanting to learn something and mm, kind of mm-hmm. having a question. And I feel like those are better episodes for yeah. me to do. And I don't know. I just wasn't curious about anything until I was like, God, why don't we ever start in the middle? So you is have, there a middle? Well, you have a book in front of you. Oh, I do. What book do you have in front of you? So this is actually a book you recommended a couple I know. years ago. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, though. <laughs> well, we can't because it's not an Onondaga, which is oh, very upsetting. Why. Yeah, no, I bought it for like five bucks off Thrift Books. I have to borrow it. Um, it is called Matrimony, Inc., 
by Francesca Buman. I'm very sorry if I said your name right. It is from Personal Ads to Swiping Right, A Story of America Looking for Love. There's actually a lot of books like this about kind of research into dating and the history and courtship. And they're all really fascinating. So the bulk of this research today is from this particular book just because she was really narrowed in. And I like couldn't stop reading. I was really like, wow, this is so cool. But we'll see what I find in the future. Okay. So right. we'll see. I'm ready. Yes. Take me on a journey, Jen. I just have to tell you, personal ads really changed the game when it came to meeting your future spouse in ways I was not expecting. Plus, plus, really excitingly, all of my historical romance nerds will recognize them as being the vehicle for a lot of plot points. Yes. Uh, we love it. So let's start, okay. like most romance books do, at the very beginning. Start at the very beginning. Okay. okay. <laughs> For a large chunk of time, marriage was about alliances, babies, money, and land. Love was not a factor in deciding who you wanted to marry. Of course, people were still people, and there are still stories of spouses loving each other and, you know, really loving your mistress. But if you told your parents love was an important factor in who you wed, they probably would have thought something was wrong with you. And actually, that would have been advice they would have given you, was if you want to go find somebody to love, go love your mistress. I mean... <laughs> We all know that was encouraged through a lot of history oh, yes. because that was not the function and point of marriage. That's not to say marriage wasn't important. When England began colonizing the Americas in the 1600s, a major concern for them was getting all the single colonists married. Mm. In 1607, the Virginia Company sent 104 English men and boys to create the first permanent English settlement in Virginia. Because no women were on that first boat, colonists started having relationships with Native American women, which the Virginia Company and England were not okay with. England goes, oh no. Racism win. You're not white. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> and then marriage and creating families were virtually important to colonize America. Like, you couldn't, call it, like, you just can't be here without a family. Like, you're not an island. I guess, I mean, if you look at the, <laughs> the country as a whole, they thought it was an island. They did. They thought they did. it was very small. <laughs> but the Virginia Company wanted to make the men there more settled and less movable. Mm. So they wouldn't want to leave the settlement and they wouldn't want to go see the native women. Which, again, super gross. I mean, we all know England sucks. So what a shock. Mm -hmm. Plus, you need more people to steal all that land, right? <laughs> so married women began following their husbands in 1608, but no single women followed until 1619 when the Virginia Company sponsored 140 single women to sail over. The marriage and birth rate soared, and Jamestown had nearly 1,400 people by 1622. There is actually a really good TV show. It's called Jamestown, and oh, it's yeah. about this ship of women who come mm -hmm. over. And it was it's really interesting because it looks like the type of women that they sent over who volunteered, who was forced. Um, and if you're also interested in, like, what those relationships could have looked like. There's a lot of historical research into Australia and the Australian colony um, and the convicts and the women who were sent to be with the convicts. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Mm -hmm. I figured they just let the convicts die out there. No, they... Like, sent the like real yeah. women, like, like prostitute women? or like, mm -hmm. That sounded very insensitive yes. way I put it, but yes. I would sex have assumed workers. like sex workers instead yep. of like, oh, you get a wife. Women who were convicted as well. Okay. Um, there's a... Oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a really good book that talks about it's a fiction book and it's like she's sentenced and she gets sent to australia if i can find it i'll put it in the show notes if yeah not, i'm really Jen, curious because now i kind of want to know i didn't realize they did that i was just like it's a punishment go die yeah but it's That's a really, lot of wow. the same if we draw back into the scottish episode from last time <laughs> they did the same thing with the scots mm. um and then scots who were convicted they sent to the colonies and the scots were like hey, hey, jokes on you it's awesome here mm -hmm. um and then the same thing with jamestown the virginia company and the women that they sent a lot of them were uh sex workers yeah i knew they were, were kind of like 
not forced, but yeah. like encouraged, encouraged. very yeah. heavily. Because yeah. I'm guessing at the time, not a lot of respectable women wanted to take the risk to go to this whole new yeah. world. And who knows what you who you're going to meet or what you were going to yeah. see there. Like people who are seeking religious freedom, mm-hmm. the Pur- Puritans, um, uh, Jesuits, those those uh, people were looking, were excited about this new land. But mm-hmm. like for the quotidian everyday woman, they mm-hmm. were like, no. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. And Jamestown, the TV show, does a really good mm-hmm. job of portraying that. Well, marriage was important for more than just population growth. It was social support. It was what most people centered their lives around. It was very, very economically necessary for people who had burdens to lessen or property mm-hmm. to protect. And it was the only way to have sex since the Puritans were very fussy <laughs> about their views on chastity and modesty and yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. We've talked about that like a gazillion times. The Puritans are very pure. pure. They tried to pass regulations on what kind of courtships you could have. A town in Connecticut actually made it illegal to be a single homeowner, and another forced you to pay a tax every week you indulged in the selfish luxury of solitary living. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'd be so broke. Uh, seriously. <laughs> 20 shillings if you don't get married. Okay, so what but what about week? if it was two women, wink, 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 <laughs> um, who were living as wink, wink, friends, wink, mm-hmm. wink, in town, would they have to pay? I don't know. They didn't get that specific. Okay. I imagine they had single-sex boarding houses. I don't know if that was a thing quite yet, just because there wasn't mm. enough people. That's true. This there, is pretty early. Yeah, there must have been a place they stored unmarried women until they got married. <laughs> God! <laughs> Jen, we would be running that house by now. <laughs> That is why we are on the podcast instead. (laughs) But a lot of that is actually pretty hard to enforce, as me and Jackie just (laughs) joked about. And some courting customs, like bundling, did get popular. Holland settlers introduced it where in their country it was known as questing. I hope I said that right, because it looks like another word. It's got a weird umlaut over one of the E's in Dutch accents. (laughs) But basically, it was allowing a couple to hang out fully clothed in bed. So some families might tie up their daughter's ankles, or they put wood between the couples to try to keep things from getting a little too cozy. (laughs) But otherwise, it was popular because nighttime was really the only free time colonists had. Plus, you didn't have to pay for fuel or find any space Mm -hmm. in the house. It was like a really cheap date. (laughs) So it's in 1689 that people start thinking, hey... Maybe I want to be stuck with somebody I actually like. What? No. I know. What a shock. Maybe it's not just about like money and land and maybe I should, you know, want to look at my spouse and not punch them in the face. Yeah, that's fair. You know, know, murder rates might decline. (laughs) So John Locke brings up in two treaties of the government that marriage should be a contract between equals and hey, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if you guys actually liked (laughs) each other. What a shock. (laughs) But a lot of the colonists were more than a little concerned about picking emotion over reason. And it would send the country into chaos mm. if people led with their hearts too much. So fun fact, satirical marriage ads were actually published before the first genuine ones would get going, which I was really surprised by. I think they were inspired by England because mm. England was actually one of the first ones to kind of do this. Yes. So I think it was kind of making fun of them. Other fun fact, Benjamin Franklin and his brother used to write them, <laughs> which I just thought was a funny thing because they owned one of the first newspapers, especially yeah. one of the first independent yeah. newspapers. So, yeah, 16-year-old Ben Franklin is just sitting there writing really lusty marriage ads that are, not, that are making fun of the English. Did you come across any of the um, – like when we talked about uh, the, the broadsides in England and we talked about cheap side and sex work in London, mm-hmm. um, there were a lot of personal ads that were used in Georgian England, so in the 1600s. 
um, that were personal ads for sex workers. I will say they don't start that quite yet in the beginning. Okay. That will eventually grow so into that. So we are focusing on America. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, this I is just that. pure America. Okay. Yeah, I said... I just feel like I read a lot of American culture stuff. Okay. I okay. was going to keep it Sorry. very local this time. <laughs> okay. No, it's okay. Because like, like I said, that is kind of where I think probably some of the the I mean, interest got going. Sense. Yeah. I mean, because these were all still colonists. They were all still pretty loyal to England. It looks like probably the very first American personal ad that was genuine could have been published by a British guy. Just kind of from context clues and okay. what the ad says. Okay. So that happened in 1759. Okay. So it took a while for it to actually get started. And again, like, we have lost a lot of records. There could be evidence of stuff other than that. But I'm really tempted to act like some millennial <laughs> joke and pretend I don't know what a newspaper is. <laughs> but I'm going to spare us all a definition about that. <laughs> but a personal ad is a personal advertisement somebody pays to place in a newspaper. Also super obvious. Yeah. So there we go, guys. Newspapers started running ads very quickly to help pay for the paper and make a profit. So that part wasn't new. Mm. But what was new was the ad that was placed in the Boston Evening Post on February 23rd, 1759, the anonymous man, who again could have been a British guy, there is some context clues, there is some, um, he, he said he had wanted to meet the the anybody who wanted to respond at like a, a place that was popular with British loyalists. So no idea though, but he was looking for a young woman between 18 and 23, brunette with regular features and good morals. Up until now, spouses were still meeting through matchmakers, arranged matches, or family and friends. Mm -hmm. But that would start to change as the country grew and changed during the following decades and after the Revolutionary mm -hmm. War. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like the very beginning. Yeah. It's very much like, he was kind of funny because he made it really clear that he did not want pranks. This was a very serious offer. So please take it seriously, this brunette 18 to 23 year old. This time period is just so fascinating yeah. from a historical standpoint because this is like... We're getting into the revolution. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we put it in a larger context, the Jacobite Rebellion rebellion, 1745 just happened. We're moving into the American Revolution, followed by the French Revolution, followed by the Regency. And, like, this time period was such a shift away from, like, that big, grandiose, like, ruler scale mm -hmm. into, like, the more daily person. Yeah. And, like, things like newspapers and broadsides and um, caricatures and all these, like, little things start popping up that mm -hmm. just really give you this, like, unique cultural experience. I have to say, the newspapers were really cool. Just to see the kind of things people put ads so in cool. for. Yes. There was this one that was like, please let me know if you want to adopt a baby. <laughs> you should read some of the horse advertisements yeah, that they there have. Was, mm -hmm. There's some interesting ones. There was one in there about um, pigs. They were selling a, a mare in one with, like, a scar on their forehead and it was, like, right under, it, a, again, a marriage ad. Yeah. Which was just cool. Hmm. So, by the 1800s, there are several large cities in America. New citizens are emigrating in or they are moving far away from their families. The social scene is changing a lot. Men start submitting personal ads for reasons that will actually feel pretty familiar to us today. They're strangers to the city, as many of them put it. They're in a new place without a social network. Their families are not around to matchmake anymore, or it's just harder to narrow in on a woman because there's a lot more choices. Mm. Which, if you think about it, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's pretty realistic. But at the same time, since there aren't any nosy family members who tell you how to do something, <laughs> it gives them a lot more freedom to look for love however they want. So yes, more women, but there's also more venues to find them. Mm. Even something that's a little scandalous, like putting a personal ad in the paper. Yeah. A lot of them also claim they don't have time to meet women. <laughs> they are just too busy at work. Thank this you. Is still used this today. is still used today. Can attest. <laughs> We're not at the point yet where dating is really a thing. Like nobody goes out on dates yet. 
So on top of the increased hours at the office or the factory, less people are actually going to church, which I was surprised by because, I mean, we hear today all the time, oh, people aren't going to church. We're not godly, yada, yada. Um, but they were already complaining about that back yeah. here. Well, like, if you think about, again, think about the time period. This mm-hmm. is the Enlightenment. We're having social revolution. We're yep. having that separation of church and people state. People are busy. Yeah, people are busy. <laughs> church <laughs> is becoming, especially in America, church is becoming less of a cultural thing because, mm-hmm. like I said, we do have that separation of church and state. Um, um, and so they're it's making it less as a cultural center point of american lives Mm -hmm. and it's making it more of churches for sunday right and more of like a moralistic guide to how you rule social Mm -hmm. interactions and with all that if you're not going to church for those reasons that was one of the only places unmarried women and men might have mingled before so single-sex boarding houses were the norm, so it wasn't likely for you to meet a neighbor. Respectable women weren't really encouraged to be out and about in public by themselves yet, so it was really tricky to meet somebody. Mm. But on top of all of this, a lot of men reported they were just too shy to talk to women themselves. Uh, <laughs> which I found, I mean, I found a little sweet and familiar. Sure, I guess I'm just too much of a cynic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really cute because a lot of them talked about in the ads about how they just get so anxious around women and mm. like the words dry up in their throat and they just lose. They get very nervous looking at women, okay. which I guess is true because, you know, yeah. if you're kind of kept apart like that, yeah. you don't know how to interact with each other. So, That's yeah, like you see a woman and it's like, <gasps> you it's stand a mythical st- being. <laughs> you stand still like you just saw a buck or something. It's a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to. Don't, don't move. <laughs> you don't want to move and scare it. <laughs> Squirrel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I've heard all of these reasons today for why a friend picked up Tinder. Like, this stuff is just very relatable to <laughs> mm, me. Yeah. I thought it was sort of nice that as much as things change, there's still a lot of stuff that stays the same. That's true. Which is beautiful. Good job, humanity, yeah. for at least that part. Also, here's a fun fact for mm. you. you. You saying about how people weren't really dating yet. I yeah. was like, what is the etymology of date? When was it first used? Oh, so I don't, I can't remember the date. I guess I should. <laughs> 1885. Oh, okay. Well, you had the year, yeah. but it was because somebody complained that this woman he thought he was close to was filling up the dates of her calendar with other oh, men. Oh, okay. So like to be a date was like, oh, you get my date in this that's like physical awesome. day of the word. Yes. Yeah. Adam online was just like romantic sense, meaning person one has a date mm. with. I was like, oh, okay, cool. General sense of appointment. But that's what I that's what I read. Yeah, so that's hopefully cool. That's a real thing. It hopefully wasn't just something real. the book made up. <laughs> <laughs> so also interesting to me, if we're gonna stick with our fun facts, okay. the ads sort of ranged in what they were looking for, but not really. So some men asked for beauty and fortune, mm. but just as many said that was not important and they wanted a good housekeeper, they wanted somebody cheerful, moral, or religious. And for all the jokes that men just want some idiot, a lot of the ads actually did ask for intelligent or educated women, mm. which I was kind of impressed by. And it sort of makes sense if you're looking for somebody to keep your home or raise your kids, you don't really want some idiot. Yeah. Like you want somebody who can do the books and can like read the labels on stuff. And, That's true. That is true. You know, true. not raise your kid to be like... Joe Schmo. Yeah. I guess at the same time, I'm still also a cynic because at the same time, I'm like, but how many of these narratives mm-hmm. were like, they're looking for these smart, educated women. Yeah. And then at the same time, when they meet her, she's like, they're like, she's too smart. Mm-hmm. I don't like her. I'm sure they definitely had a level yeah. that they could meet. So well, they wanted like a woman who could read and write her own name, but maybe couldn't like debate politics with. I do want to, I want to interject. I read, I started reading a book today by Maya Rodal, who is an, a romance author mm-hmm. and it's called Dangerous Books for oh, Girls. Oh, I love that one. It's um, really good. And something that she points out right at the beginning was again, this time period, women were starting to really 
become more educated. Yep. Thank you, Enlightenment. We love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were starting to read wider and read beyond just like mm-hmm. these religious texts. And so they were starting to read romance novels was like one of her big arguments at the start of the book. And so women at the same time, if we jump away from the men's perspective, because psh, um, women's perspective, <laughs> they started like being like, I want the romance. Oh, I that's want- coming. Okay, okay. That is coming. Bring it to me, Jen. Don't I'm ready. Worry. Okay. But before we get okay. to that, I do want to make a note, too, that from all the ads that have been found, most of the people placing them probably would have been middle-class white men and women. Mm-hmm. So kind of be aware of that as we tell you about this. It's not a complete picture of what's happening in the time period. That's still true for dating apps today, too. Honestly. <laughs> But especially with these, because you guys actually pay money to place the ads. Yeah. So it wasn't available to everybody. And honestly, if you were high class enough, you probably didn't need this. Yeah, that's true. You just, like, you're, you're still parent, getting arranged yeah, marriages. you're still getting arranged. Like, it's not yeah. your, you know, you don't get a say in yeah. what happens. So in the cities, a lot of men asked for women with some kind of skills they could show off at parties, which I thought was interesting. Like, if you could sing or play an instrument, <sighs> so, you know, you could kind of be like a nice little showpiece. Rural men tended to mention needing somebody who could cook well and work hard. I'm so sorry. My feminist side is just like. That's what it is. I don't know. Well, I guess you would agree then with uh, some of the backlash from people who <laughs> yes. thought these personal ads were going to ruin marriage. Okay. One editorial in the Boston Post in 1854 said personal ads were amusing because of the mixture of business and sentiment, love and lucre, innocence and impotence, which I thought was kind of funny. It's accurate. <laughs> and to be fair, personal ends did make a lot of money for newspapers. And on the face of it, I could see it being strange to advertise for a wife. Yeah. Like that, it's not the most romantic thing in the world, but it's p- very practical for the time period, I think. Yeah. America was just getting too big for some of the more traditional matchmaking practices. And I mean, we definitely aren't bundling anymore. Well, <laughs> the Amish <laughs> might still be, but. <laughs> and let's not forget the options that's provided to women. There are exceptions to the rule, but most women needed to marry if they wanted to have a more Mm. comfortable, secure life or to escape their family. Mm -hmm. Women placing ads weren't as common in the mid-19th century, but they did occur more often than you'd think. There's actually a great resource to find out about the kinds of things middle-class women wanted because not that many kept memoirs or diaries. So some of these personal ads are the only records we have of kind of their own voice, which I found really fascinating. And the book I read a lot for this research... Um, I really like the point that she makes where she says the women who placed these ads were the most empowered and boldest in the city since they were really taking control of their own destinies. Yeah, I can see that. So this isn't some like little wallflower who's scared of her own shadow. This is somebody who's like, you know what? I want a husband. I'm going to go get him the only way I can. It's like a- I feel like I've seen this in a romance book and I can't. Yeah, a I lot can't. of these feel very similar to me, yeah, honestly. It's like she wants to escape her situation. She mm-hmm. wants out of her family. She yep. wants out of this marriage. She just wants to go somewhere new. And so mm-hmm. she writes and she's like seeking husband. Exactly. And following in the tradition, though, of the Franklins. Okay. The first husband wanted ad was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I don't really understand the humor of this century. <laughs> so I'm assuming that the ad was saying the women are looking for a man who can sow potatoes and plant beans. I'm like, it's got to be a euphemism. I'm thinking that's totally a euphemism. Right. Okay. I was just making sure. I don't know, but they're, it's like the 1800s. I don't know where their brain goes. They also highlight the, the tastiness of their apple dumplings. <laughs> so yeah, my gross 21 century mind is assuming a sex joke somehow, but I didn't know. Oh no, for that sure. is totally a sex joke because okay. Ben Franklin has used this on multiple occasions oh, okay. to refer to a woman's oh, chest area. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Well then Brent, that's, that yeah. checks out. That's funny. Good job. 18th century. Ben Franklin had, was a very dirty oh, yeah. old man. Oh yeah. He was. We like him because you know electricity. Not mm-hmm. really. But anyways, I mean, a lot of other women liked him for other reasons. <laughs> he did true. seem like at least he, he was, was generous. He was a manly friend <laughs> of many. 
Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for the segue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's my turn to ride it. <laughs> but eventually, we do see genuine husband-wanted ads in the 1840s. Most women describe themselves with words like good teeth or good <laughs> complexion to hint that they're healthy enough to be fertile. And they talk about their accomplishments or their home skills. A lot of women ask for men who are sober, which speaks <laughs> to the temperance movements brewing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> brewing. 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 <laughs> nice, nice, nice. They also want things like respectable, honest, amiable, and a lot outright asked for only Americans to stay away from the immigrants because you know racism is oh, still alive in the 1800s and well. by now yeah they yeah. wanted to be sure that they didn't get any of those anybody coming <sighs> off a boat <laughs> so that actually popped up a lot they yeah. wanted like a yankee wife or husband mm. husband wanted ads were especially popular in philadelphia which was one of the most advanced and wealthiest mm-hmm. cities at the time not only did women have less household tasks so they would have more time to husband hunt but more women than ever knew how to read and write going back to your earlier point i think the book said something like Within a couple of decades, over half of the women who before couldn't have read or write, like they were mm-hmm. doing all of that. Yeah. So good job, guys. You went so far. Rising middle class. Yes. But even more importantly for women and men, there was growing independence from their parents. Mm. They had more freedom than generations before them, and I think more interest in having the power over picking their own spouse. More people wanted privacy, too. When couples were courting, they'd often be at home where the family members or servants could overhear everything you were saying. (laughs) Or doing. Yeah, if you could think back to some of your dates, how many of them do you want at your family's house? None. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely not a problem with mailing each other letters, though. Especially as people were even more interested in having a companionship sort of marriage where they liked each other, they got along, and had some kind of equality between them. Yeah. So that was getting more and more popular just as the decades passed, which I thought was also kind of hopeful. By the time the Civil War rolls around in the 1860s, America's pretty used to personal ads. So it's not shocking or out of place when soldiers start placing ads looking for pen pals. There are some soldiers looking for wives, but a lot of them also need a distraction from the awful events they're living through. Women start to see it as like a patriotic duty to write back and give soldiers some comfort or encouragement. Matrimony Inc. goes into detail about some of the letters that were exchanged, which is pretty interesting because it is a very personal look into what women's lives were like on top of the soldiers writing back to them. But the important thing I want to note is that the Civil War killed about 620,000 men and it left all the survivors scarred physically or emotionally Mm. for life in some way. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a really weird take. But can you imagine what that did for the marriage market? Okay, okay, okay. I know you hate TikTok, but there is this one creator who creates parody videos about post-Civil War, and it's these two, wink, widows, (laughs) wink, who are living together Mm -hmm. in a small southern town, and they have to, like, actively pretend that they are not a couple. Oh. And it's hilarious. And then a new pastor comes in, and he Mm -hmm. is very gay, and they're, like, coding to each other that Mm -hmm. they are all gay. And then at the end, they're like, oh, my God, are you gay? okay cool (laughs) it's hilarious Mm -hmm. and that's what i like to imagine happened a lot i hope so i mean because there were a lot of women left yes when you think about okay your life is basically revolved around getting married and now there's a ton of guys that are either dead they're scarred they're addicted to drugs or alcohol or something to cope with ptsd it's a big mess yeah so if you think about that and i think this is going to be jackie's favorite part now Because a lot of those Civil War soldiers went west. And Go guess west, which one of our favorite historical tropes developed next. Should have been a cowboy. Should have learned to rope and I ride. Mean, I mean, I was going for mail order brides. Oh, but well, yeah, sure, cowboys, cowboys too. Okay, I wouldn't put that under a trope. <laughs> Sorry, mail order brides for 20. <laughs> yes, mail order brides are going to be a big 
thing that develops. Um, <laughs> I double checked our cowboy script and I didn't see a lot of info from Jack and Mail Order Bride. I so don't think I did. Just like the Frontier Men, we are heading into new territory. Ooh, Ooh, nice pun. Ooh, I like hey. it. So between 1850 and 1880, a lot of people started moving west. Railroads were built, farmland was claimed, and gold was shifted. But just like we saw with that first British colony, pioneers needed wives to create families and help carve a life out of all that available land. Thousands of men went west only to realize they also needed a partner who could be a wife, mother, co-worker, housekeeper, etc. There is a lot of stuff you got to do. Someone to drive the carriage, mm-hmm. someone to make the flapjacks, mm-hmm. someone to make sure the snakes are not in the bed. Oh, that's really important. I don't want to sleep with snakes in my bed. No, no, no. Oof, no. And don't forget, marriage is still very important economically. Like, that's never going to change ever. Mm. But if we are going to be sentimental for a second, you know, put the cynicism on hold for a second, Jackie. I'll try. Just try really hard. People wrote in a lot of ads about being lonely, mm. which I thought was kind of, yeah, like kind of sweet. I don't think that's too surprising, but it took me by surprise for a second just because loneliness is still such a problem today, especially, you know, aftermath of COVID. I feel like people are still kind of struggling to yeah. connect. And it's kind of like, yeah, again, look, it's just like. It's like we could reach out and touch each other through the past. Like, and look at all the things we still have in common. Yeah. I just thought it was a nice connection to the past. But um, anyway, because we're that was our moment of sentimentality. Okay. I had go. a sentimental thing I was going <gasps> to Oh, no, say it. We'll bring it oh, back. Sentimental is back, back. Especially if we're talking about, like, in the aftermath of the Civil War, we oh, have all these yeah. people dead. And, like, mm-hmm. maybe they were already married. Maybe they already had families. And now they're single parents. And just, like, the loneliness and the mm-hmm. stress of that. And then now you have an opportunity not only to start a new life, mm-hmm. to have a new family, like there's hope. Like part of the thing about the Westward expansion was hope for America, yeah. like hope for everybody, for the common man, that mm-hmm. there was all this new stuff you could do, all these new places you could go. And I don't know, just the hope of the whole thing could make us all teary eyed if I wasn't such a cynic. And we only had to kill how many native people? <laughs> there you go. The sentiment ends and sentiment. If sentiment. you want a really good book. Dances with Wolves. Okay. Um, it's it's about. Uh, can you just watch the movie? You can just watch the movie because it is great. <laughs> and uh, Ke- what's his name? Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner has an awesome mullet in it, and Ooh. there's a really good horse. And the why are you wearing mullets in the Wild West? It was filmed in the '90s, Jen. Oh God. It's a really good storyline about um, what happens after the Civil War with this man goes west he's stationed at a frontier outpost but he's all alone and he gets lonely Mm -hmm. and so he um gets taken in by an indigenous tribe i think it's the cheyenne correct me if i'm wrong um he gets taken in and he makes a family there Mm -hmm. and he gets this whole new culture and it's a journey about going from lonely ptsd wanting to die into this whole like new romantic journey Mm -hmm. and that was written by a man surprisingly wow i know (laughs) So just the social and emotional support of a spouse would have been really vital to continue on. Mm. The pioneers were desperate to meet women, but there weren't any around. So just to give you a very rough idea of the disparity. Or there weren't any white women around. I mean, yeah, that's a better point. Thank you. Because, yeah. yeah, there were plenty of Native women that, uh, yeah. They were there. I'm sorry, guys. It was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so a rough idea of the... <laughs> <laughs> There's that moment of levity. Yeah. Just to give you a very rough idea of the disparity, in 1899, one survey of Idaho found that there were 16,584 single men to 1,426 women. I like them odds. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really good odds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just got to sleep out of a tent for a while. <laughs> That's so, okay. I don't mind that. I would Ponies. mind that a lot. No, thank you. Oh, God. So they started placing personal ads in newspapers back home, some offering to pay for a ticket out. Yeah. 
It might seem weird why this would be attractive to any woman. Uh, well, okay, listen, but I have friends <laughs> share their locations with me before they go on a date today. And here's someone who's going to travel a thousand miles away to an isolated area with no friends or family around to get married. Yeah, I wonder how many serial killers we don't know about from this time period. Well, there's one we know about that I'm going to mention. Ooh, yay. Not yet, though. That's like in the 1900s. Okay. Okay. But remember, women on the East Coasts had fewer options after the Civil War. Mm. That's not to say they took just any man. Because they actually had a lot of power to be picky and yes, pick a husband attractive to them. As we just said, you saw those numbers. As one newspaper put it, some frontier men were so anxious for wives that they would never ask a single lady her age. <laughs> All they require is teeth. All right. And here's another fun fact. A lot of the reason behind like the teeth and clear mm-hmm. skin parts was to show that you didn't have syphilis yeah. or other it's like, like a fertility sexually thing. transmitted diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also that you weren't going to die yeah. in like six months. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a pretty good indicator of health if you think about all the crazy stuff that can happen if you don't take care of your teeth. What about, here might be a tangent, but you and I kind of talked about this at another time, virginity. The importance of virginity and chastity you know, before marriage. You know, they don't mention that really. I guess a couple do kind of allude to it with like, I want a nice Christian woman. or. Mm. But you know, a lot of these ads actually say they're open to widows. Oh, okay. Because, again, thinking back to what you said about all those women that probably did lose their husbands and had these kids to take care of, I mean, for some of these men, it's probably a ready-made family. I just had a light bulb. Mm -hmm. I imagine more arranged marriages focused on, like, the the virginity, the purity before marriage, all that, because then you could prove lineage of children. Versus, like, in these, these wanted ads, these personal Mm -hmm. ads, like you just said, it was more about forming a connection, more about forming a family or, Mm -hmm. like, opportunity yeah. i guess and i think too if you are building a farm out of nothing then you want a lot of kids to work that land this is very so true. probably a widow with like four kids and the husband's dead it's probably like a a pretty good investment there was um a woman in my family post-civil war who had eight husbands wow her name was francis and she kept every single one of her husband's names when she moved on to the oh next God. husband <laughs> that is a long tombstone I think she had like 12 kids Jeez. yeah so, no, I don't exactly know how Virginia would play into this exactly. I mean, I know it's kind of something we've been talking about. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever fully cover it on the podcast because it's a little <laughs> it's a front podcast. for a work podcast. <laughs> we already pushed the boundaries. Okay, guys. I mean, there are certain things they do require. I, I imagine, though, if you pay for somebody to come like a thousand miles out, you're probably not going to ask really that many questions at that, point, yeah. at that point. I mean, maybe if you're really fussy. There were a couple people that were like preachers that I guess maybe yeah. just to, to keep face. But even then, like the preachers mostly were from back east yeah. and they were like, again, it was more like the arranged marriage mm-hmm. and then they would move out west. Traditionally. Traditionally. Mm-hmm. So I'm not totally sure. But in any case, regardless of virginity or not, I mean, maybe it would be a good idea to go if you weren't a virgin anymore. <laughs> it's like the guy's stuck with you. But going west to start a new life was the best option for a lot of women. Plus, men weren't the only ones who liked some adventure. No, clearly. not at all. Uh, and this is something I was really interested in. There was a lot more freedom and opportunities for women in the West. We know from the limited letters we do have that any woman was highly sought after. Mm-hmm. There were records from one mining town where 40 men were courting the single <laughs> woman. One single woman wasn't that a book we read oh ice planet barbarians <laughs> <laughs> but this is real life like they yes. actually did this they actually set up a courting system so they would all equally have a shot it was like four minutes of couch time they had her. a spreadsheet they before <laughs> excel 
<laughs> but because the, also there were less established norms, women like Nellie Pooler Chapman could become the first registered female dentist in oh. California after her husband abandoned her. Oh. Which is pretty, I mean, that part was sad, but she stole his dental practice. Heck so, yeah. You know, it worked out. Yeah. Get he it, Nellie. He went to the silver mine, so I'm kind of hoping oh. he like, choked on it. Probably. Whatever. Like but she clothing. ended up way good. So good for her. In 1849, California would also reform their property laws to encourage women to migrate to the state. Married women were also allowed to own property after they were married, which yeah. is a really big deal. That's a big deal. There were super liberal divorce laws as well. They were like the government was just trying really hard to make these states attractive to women to come mm-hmm. out. And it, it, I think it was kind of a sign too of like, come out, try it. You'll still own your property. You can divorce the guy if he's a jerk. Yeah. It works out. I read two not in this book but somewhere else one of the reasons wyoming became the first state to give women the vote was again to like hey come to wyoming and that makes like, sense vote and live free and marry our men and make <laughs> lots of babies populate all on basically yeah a lot of newspapers and magazines portrayed the west as a place progressive bold women could escape the repressive life on the east coast mm. so i think some of the propaganda was just as important too yeah The U.S. government particularly wanted families to move and settle west and offered up to 640 acres of land for free compared to a single owner's 320-acre limit as long as they irrigated and improved the land. This was not out of the goodness of their hearts, though. Border towns would keep American control over stolen native land, and if people had families and invested in the property, they would stay. So also, here's a very sad train of thought to take us down mm. this rabbit hole. Um, things like the Oklahoma land rush, yeah. which were, you know, you got, I think it was the same thing, like 400 what, like 40, acres. I think it was like 40 acres and a donkey, I thought. That one you talking was, about the one that, like, they promised free Yes, that was Reformation. That oh, was, that or, was um, Yeah, that was after period. the Civil War. Okay, never um, mind. But no, so the Long Oklahoma land rush was open to people of color, but it was mostly... Um, aimed towards people on the east coast especially up in the northeast um mm-hmm. so that they could force indigenous people out of their lands yeah. um chisholm trail chair trail of tears mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff was meant to yeah. um narrow down indigenous lands to a very set boundary and this is where we get reservations it is really weird to talk about this stuff and being like oh yeah personal ads were great and they provide all this access to people and at the same time it's like yeah because it was we were, all mired in racism yeah we were stealing colonialism so yeah. good job like, I mean, on that know. note, you should read 1619, okay. which is the year the first slave ship came over. And those to books the we Americas. have. Yes, we do. We have all those books. So please come and read that. Also, in the same note, I want to mention again that almost all of these ads and policies are targeted at white middle class ish, mm. kind of like some some poorer, but mostly middle class ish yeah. Americans. They wanted people with some money. There was one group called the Busy Bee Club that targeted <laughs> and sponsored African American yeah. women to come over and marry. But that's about the only group I've found so far. If you know of any, please email me at ragingromantics at nopal.org. Because honestly, I'm really curious at this point. Yeah, if we're talking solely about America, mm-hmm. especially at this time period, unfortunately, people of color did not have access to education yeah. like white people did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a lot of the reason we don't see the personal ads. I mean, they wouldn't. I think there was a problem, too, with them um, buying the space. Yes. Was another issue. And there there were segregated newspapers still yeah. at this point, too. So they weren't going to, like, and I intermingle. Say, and Y'all can yell at me if I'm completely wrong. I want to say that matchmaking was still very big in those communities. Well, in immigrant communities, yeah. yeah because I was reading, too, in the and book. And for people that, of color. Yeah. Just anybody, I think, if they had, like, a big kind of, like, if you went to, like, it, like a little Italian town, little China, um, you would... I mean, that would be your community. Yeah. So it would kind of go back to that previous, more traditional way of, like, well, my mom knows this person... It's safe. Yeah. We know the family. I mean, even There's today, like the Orthodox Jewish community, yeah. um, Chinese community, Japanese, because I mean, 
oh, I feel like we're missing a whole big part of the argument if we don't talk about like matchmaking in yeah. Asian cultures because that's like huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, romance books aren't yeah, quite as inclusive great, yeah. as we want yet. And so. I, I mean, all, all the personal ad tropes I can think of, all the mail order bride tropes. So I'm reading one right, right now called Heart in Hand. Uh, Taliba Hibbert actually recommended on Goodreads, which is how I picked it up. It is called, I just said the title. Didn't Heart and Hands, um, Interracial Mail Order Bride. <laughs> it is Gold Sky Number mm-hmm. 1 by Rebel Carter. So slowly it's changing and we're getting those Ooh, kinds of stories. it's Unlimited. Yeah, no, I have it for free. It's really cool so far. Well, we love a thruple. Yeah. And we love an interracial so, thruple too. Mm, so we, again, like I said earlier, we have to consider what kind of information we're getting because it is limited. I wonder too, hmm. if we're talking about non-heteronormative Yeah alliances during this time period i wonder how many of them were mmf or mff like so male female Mm -hmm. male male female for our listeners how many of these relationships were actually that like my little brain just wants to go yay all Mm -hmm. the happy gay people maybe i mean we can hope so especially cowboys were way more gay than america portrays them Mm -hmm. and especially in the west where they they've said over and over again you know it was very free there wasn't these cultural norms like it was very easy to kind of do what you wanted yeah and i think people were more accepting just because it's the West. Yeah, it's the West. Like, you left the repressive East Coast society. I think, too, you had to kind of depend on people more out in yeah. the West. You had to kind of look out for your neighbors. You had to share a sleeping bag more <laughs> often. <laughs> <laughs> I will say there are a bunch of ads, too, that are like, hey, the three of us are looking for a wife. And I, at the time, I was like, oh, they must be sharing the, the cost to, uh, to put the ad in. But maybe it was like, uh, you know, they weren't sure what. Happy dinosaur noises. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably a lot of hidden codes and things we don't know oh, yeah. anymore and things oh, that just so like sad. got lost to history. But 1950s. How dare who knows? you? So, yeah, if you guys know any more about this stuff, let me know because I am really fascinated by this yeah. whole thing at the point. But anyway... Okay. To get back to <laughs> Onto the our amazing train of thought. Okay, okay, okay. Jackie, so, sh- personal ads are becoming very commonplace. Some people still complain about them. A few more conservative, traditional people think it's degrading for women to put themselves out there like that. But at this point, they've lost the fight. And now it's actually a daily habit for citizens to check the daily personal ads in their paper. I love it. We eventually get to a point where the newspapers only devoted to personal ads and success stories are established because it's that popular and lucrative. Mm. Which I thought was kind of cool. You could get a copy of like Matrimony. I was going to ask what some of the titles were so I could go Google them later. Okay, wait a minute. Matrimony Reporter, Matrimonial Times, Matrimonial Herald. Like it literally, it's just like personal ads. And then again, to kind of be like, hey, this is why you should put your ad in my paper. Here's all the success stories. So it's like Lady Whistledown. A little, (laughs) I guess. I like it. A little more and not. Well, actually, I guess. Oh, yeah. Pretty anonymous still. Yeah. I mean, people were really careful to cover up their identities because it was seen as kind of like... If you like pina little coladas. A little bit. Yeah, I'm sure that <laughs> happened. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> we eventually get to a point where newspapers only devoted to personal ads and success stories are established because it's that popular and lucrative. But like we've talked about before, when money gets involved, bad actors come out to play. Yeah. Catfishing wasn't invented yet, but I think if you tried to explain the concept to a newspaper reader in the 18 and 1900s, they would probably understand pretty quickly thanks to some of the scams that were being run through the personal ads. So one common problem that I saw really frequently, people were not who they said they were. Yeah. One woman who traveled west to meet a young man, Oof. as he said... Turned out to be an ancient grandpa in his place. And she very quickly went back home. Imagine. I mean, I guess he was thinking she went all the way there. She wouldn't go back. But uh, she was like, nope. I am leaving. That's when you go into the town where there's 40 Mm -hmm. men and you're like, I'm here. Here I am. (laughs) 
So the Matrimony Inc. book talked about a letter a mother sent the New York City mayor once after her 14-year-old daughter secretly answered an ad sent by what he said was a wealthy widower. In reality, he was an abusive married jerk with four children that went on to get her pregnant, too. So the mother was kind of pleading to be like, please do something. But like at that point, there's hopefully it's illegal. But at that point, it's not like the mayor can go to the newspapers and be like, stop. Yeah. Predators weren't really Mm -hmm. sought. So a lot of married men use the personal ads to cheat. And marry multiple women. Of course so like did. bigamists were like a a big problem right now, which is kind of funny. I guess it's not funny, but it's something that we don't have as much anymore. Now you just Google the guy. There were also reports of men using the personal ads to steal women's fortunes or murder them. But men didn't get to have all the fun, of uh-huh. course. Some women would use the personal ads to collect money and gifts from would-be fiancés <laughs> they would never meet. Yeah, they said one story, like, this guy got so obsessed with a girl that he sent so much gold jewelry. He had his mom, like, send her e- her earrings. I mean, it's funny, but also kind of a little it. sad. Get a little it. sad. Get it. Get it. Okay. Skipping ahead to the 1900s, one of America's most prolific female serial killers would use the personal ads to lure potential victims to her farm, where she would murder them for her money, for their money and belongings. I didn't know that. What was her name? Her name. We'll get into I wasn't sure if you'd care about her or not. Uh, Yeah, it's a serial killer. Of course I care about it. All right. Well, I should have known, Jackie. You'd want to know more about this serial killer. Of course. Her name was Belle Gunness. So she was born in Norway in 1859. She was the youngest of eight children. She grew up fishing and farming. She was, I don't know how to say this, but the, the kids were pretty mean to her. She she was a little thick. She was a little plain. Oh, so she was bullied. She was bullied a lot. There was also, there was this incident where she had been bullied and kind of propositioned at a dance by the son of a local landowner. Uh, she was pregnant at the time. So when she resisted, he kicked her in the stomach and she miscarried. <gasps> oh. So he was never prosecuted. But he fell ill and died from a mysterious stomach ailment. Whether or not she did anything, they kind of blamed her. And, you know, eventually, I think, between the feelings she had towards men and kind of the way she was treated in her town, she decided to come away to America. Yeah. The thing is, she was kind of weird. So, not not for... Not, like, fun weird? Not, like, fun weird. She, like, would end up with these kids. And nobody would know if she was pregnant or not. Oh. Like, she just, like, had them. And she would convince the men she married and the kids to take out these life insurance policies, and then they would die. Black Widow. Black Widow. Very much a Black Widow. And then, you know, she goes on and she moves uh, out west and she, like, has a farm and she's got a couple kids again with her that, again, they're kind of like, were you pregnant? Like, where did these kids come from? Mm. And she keeps placing these personal ads of, like, hey, you know, Healthy Widow is looking for a really nice farmer to help me out ho 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 and please bring all your money and it's like the benders and you know they get there and well first of all they're a little disappointed by how she looks so you know (laughs) (laughs) i feel like at that point she's like laughed i'm sorry (laughs) no it's okay because i think that probably helped her when she ended up poisoning them and she would kill them she would take all their money they would come with all these trunks so once they investigated her house after they just found like loads of trucks all over full of their personal belongings um she would cut them up and it was pretty gross because you know people had to investigate the smell she would like dip some of the body in lye but the rest she would like hide the body parts around just all over the farm so apparently the farm smelled disgusting what ended up happening to her pigs yeah honestly she should have had a pig farm but it looks like she could have killed up to 40 men this way wow so really bad terrible human being she ended up maybe dying in a house fire. 
But I say maybe because when they were going through her her home, they found kind of a section of bodies. There were like three children huddled around a larger figure that had no head. Oh. They never found the head. That was kind of the other reason they were digging up the farm and again finding all these other pieces. And the body didn't seem to match how she was formed. It was like oh. more slim. Like again, you can't really tell because yeah, you're charred, and it wasn't yeah. like they had DNA. And it's like all bones basically look the same. Yeah, once the flesh is gone. But I think because she was just such a character, people were immediately like, "Oh, she must have faked it somehow," yeah. or like something must have happened. I need that book, please. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure she's got true crime stuff somewhere, but that is a little taste of some of the dangers that came yeah. with personal ads. So while you've got like these conservative people talking, no, it's going to degrade women and how dare you and you've got to be modest and stay at home. Like people are actually really causing harm and mayhem yeah. with these things. So and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's a sneak peek into mine and Jen's true crime podcast. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> raging librarians. Oh, <laughs> I didn't think I'd go that much into detail, but of Thank course, I, Jackie is who Jackie it's, it's is. Me, I need so to know what all the gory details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, moving on. To <laughs> okay, okay, I'm ready to move on. Continue. Thank you. All right. Some of the intention behind the personal ad changes too as decades go on. So people started posting ads with phrases like "object matrimony" if they wanted to get married. Or just object fun Mm. if they wanted something a little more casual. So people are like really relaxing. They're starting to use the personal ads for more than just the really sacred institution of marriage. Interesting. You know, even more blatantly, people started placing ads for things like massage parlors, a generous gentleman protector, a good time, and other euphemisms that cannot be mentioned on this podcast to borrow a phrase that a newspaper wrote to describe all the crime and vice happening in these pages. To be clear, they didn't use the word podcast, but... (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know what a podcast was. They'd burn me as a witch if I said podcast. Jen and I also time travel on the weekends. So, you know, it's all cool. So critics worried that not only was the sanctity of marriage being threatened, but with more people placing ads, there could be crossover between the social classes. Hmm. What if a mechanic ended up marrying a upper class heiress after she responded to his ad? (gasps) Scandal. So there were a lot of reasons to be mad about personal ads that honestly did not actually touch on the the dangerous stuff. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's such great fodder for romance novels. It is. I mean, just researching all of this stuff and reading all these articles, I'm like, God, I see so many glimmers of this in yeah. like, the historical books I read. And it makes so much more sense, some of the plots and some of the actions the women take. Yeah. And of course, all of this changes again when dating becomes a thing Ugh. in the 1900s. Excuse me but as my eyes roll. <laughs> I think at this point, I will leave you in suspense for that. Perfect. we are I am an hour. so ready for part two, yes. where we go into dating. When I mean, it's a big deal. Like, if you thought personal ads changed the game, and I did think they did. I mean, just thinking about how it put power and control in people's hands. It got people away from their families. It gave people a chance to be like, hey, this is what I want in a partner. And not only do I want this, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. I want to be happy, aside from having money. Yeah. It's such a cultural shift mm-hmm. that it's interesting to look yeah. at. But should we talk about, should we just like briefly mention some of our favorite books? I would love to okay. because I have that list. was the whole reason. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about this. So please tell me your list of favorite okay. books. Okay. They are all across the board when it comes to genre. Mm-hmm. So first up, of course, Ruby Dixon. She has a lot of these, but I think the most well-known is Aliens Mail Order Bride. Yeah. Bang on the nose. It is a prequel. It's short and sweet. And Rees Diverse is um, it's a planet, basically mm-hmm. like a farming planet. Yeah. And the settlers need wives. 
So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleaned by the Mountain Man by Frankie Love. This is actually an entire series set in Alaska. Um, and is they it all modern too. Yes, it's mm-hmm. modern. It's contemporary. It's spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need wives to watch their children or to help with their properties or businesses. I will have to say, like, I don't see a lot of a lot of modern takes on mail order brides. Yeah, it's mostly in like Kindle mm-hmm. Unlimited sphere. Yeah, I will say. I mean, I think it's harder to justify this kind of a thing in a contemporary space. Yeah. I think most people are kind of like, oh, it's a creepy power imbalance. Because even like, like saying like Alaska father needs somebody to watch his children like, will marry in exchange for room and yeah, board. I'm like, like, just go, go with it. Man. Just get a nanny. What are yeah. you doing? If you're going to pay to like ha- support a whole other human person, I, it's probably cheaper in the long run to get a nanny. And that is daycare. a lot of what I see is like they're seeking nannies. And yeah. then, of course, the nanny comes and like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then they get married. Yeah. Um, I see it a lot in fantasy, mm-hmm. obviously. Bridge Kingdom by Daniel Jensen is yeah. it's arranged marriage, but it's enemies to lovers. That mm-hmm. one's really good. There's that one Michelle Mills books too. That's like his uh, favorite nanny. Oh. It's like her the alien nanny. That's alien yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. That one is a really good mm-hmm. one. That one. Um, the aliens have to go to school to learn how to please their women. Oh, uh, well, you know, sorry. Probably a lot of people. Can Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, Never Seduce a Scott by Maya Banks. The mm-hmm. heroine is hard of hearing. We actually did this for book club. It was really good. Um, and the hero has a voice so deep that she can. Hear it. Just go with it. Just mm-hmm. it's great. Uh, Bride test by Helen Huang. But does this count? Because it was more of an arranged thing. Yeah. So at the time I was making the list, I was thinking we were still talking about arranged marriages. Oh so I'm no, sorry. not so this time. Okay, okay. Maybe later. Maybe we'll talk about it. But this time I was just like, wow, look at all this personal ad stuff. I mean, technically, the mom puts a personal ad in the newspaper in Vietnam, but and she gets somebody who didn't answer the yeah, ad. Yeah, she just kind of stumbles into the bathroom. Yeah. So it's it's a loose. Mm-hmm. It's loose. Um, we're gonna skip that one. Okay. Uh, Vanessa Riley, oh, we like bittersweet bride. Mm-hmm. The heroine places an ad because she needs a husband uh, to help retain her property. She starts like exchanging letters with this guy. She really likes him, but when she meets him, it turns out he's the son of the man trying to steal her land. Bad meat, cute. Yes. Also, BIPOC historical. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, Vanessa Riley's having a moment right now. Yeah, like, good for her. She's got a lot of cool historical things coming out yeah, Vanessa Riley is awesome mm-hmm. we like her um Sunset Embrace by Sandra Brown this one it, it like loosely fits the bill but it's the whole they're on the trail to go um out west in like a caravan and she gets pulled in to help take care of his baby after his wife dies and they fall in love um Only Mine by Elizabeth Lowell is kind of along those same lines of let's get married to retain mm-hmm. the property um it's kind of friends to lovers kind of like family friends to lovers historical duchess deal by tessa oh, dare yeah. the again yeah, that's not really I know, but like it it kind of not fits. really he definitely did not put an ad in a paper together okay, in duchess okay. deal here's one that is a stretch but it, it like okay, okay this one i'll take okay i'll take this one when a scott ties the knot by tessa dare this is might be one of my favorite tessa dares um the heroine has been writing letters to her quote betrothed for years in an attempt to like put off marriage arrangements she like doesn't want to get married wants to like have time to do her own endeavors she wants to be a scientist and then she conveniently kills off her betrothed um when it's gone on long enough and she goes and lives with her aunt and spinster yeah. cove excuse me spindle cove um only he's a real guy and he shows up and he's really like we're gonna get married, right? Love Chester Dale. That, that one. one especially is really good. That's a good one. And this one is another. No, stretch. what? It's the billionaires wake up call girl. By I Annika love this Martin. book. It is definitely not a personal ad. He puts an ad out for a wake up call girl. Yeah, and she answers it, and she doesn't even really put an ad out. He tells somebody to go get one for him. It and fits she can't bill. And since she can't get a wake up call girl, she does it herself and offends him. And like, it is really funny. I and like it gets this book super a lot. Spicy really quick. Yeah, but it's not. 
it's definitely not personal ad. It's not a mail order bride. Well. You were real loose with these <laughs> definitions. Yeah, thank you. The conservative critics of personal <laughs> ads would not appreciate this. Well, I think that the, the writers in the late 1800s would be like, heck yeah. I mean, I some like of this. them, yeah. Some of the ones that were looking for object fun yeah. would be pretty into it. Yes, this is very true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I don't know if I'm going to cover this exactly the next time because technically it's Jackie's turn next yeah. Do you know what you're talking about? Yes, I am going to do a little biopic episode about Ooh. lesser known authors who really influenced the romance oh, genre. Oh, cool. Okay, awesome. And this was all inspired by an Atlantic article that's coming out in September. It's The Atlantic. It's called The Case for Bodice Ripping. Wow. And it's a really good article. Okay. So definitely go check that out. I'm going to have to. I copied it. I'll give you a copy. Okay, good. I highlighted Thank you. and annotated <laughs> it too. So. <laughs> so. I think the best way to end this would be by sharing my absolute favorite yes, please. personal ad that I found in this book. Are you Hit ready? Me. Hit me with your best <clears> shot. <throat> so, young man, moderate circumstances, and who has glass eye <laughs> would like to form the acquaintance of young girl who also has a glass eye or some other deformity not more severe. Girl must be respectable, money unnecessary, object matrimony. Interesting. That was in the New York Times in 1903, but was reprinted in newspapers across the country because I think people just really wanted these two kids with glass eyes to just get together and fall in love. Oh, I hope they did. Mm -hmm. That's so sweet. So they explained it that it was a railroad inspector who placed the ad and had lost an eye in an accident at work. He claimed that he thinks it wiser of me to marry a girl who has some personal defect, though she will not be so apt to fling up my deformity should we ever be so unfortunate as to quarrel. Also, if somebody else, lo- if one of them loses their glass eye, they could just like share. Yeah, look at that. Such beautiful bonding. It's like in Pirates of the Caribbean with the guy with the wooden eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, so that, that is my gem. favorite ad out of all of the ads I read. Thank you. Well, I'm glad we got personal together. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Why am I blushing? <laughs> <laughs> I won! I did it! <laughs> yeah, I had the and you had the, the quips. It's great. It's great. Again, it. this ship is not sailing, folks. <laughs> I will put a hole in it. <laughs> Cannon! <laughs> Jen and I will both be operating cannons. <laughs> what a perfect note to end on. Jackie, what do we say? Rage on! Yeah, we're really flipping it up. My voice did weird <laughs> things there. Bye, guys. <laughs> What'd you do? I eyelashed my eye. What oh, that? no. Blink, 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 blink. Oh, I just got too excited. Oh, no. It, like, fell. It, like, trembled in my eye. Okay. Oh, no. Okay.